0: Welcome to our continuing pod series this month called Remembering Joplin. On this episode, I interviewed my sister-in-law, Phyllis Sapp, her son Brock, and their friend Jay Campbell to hear about their experience and the city's massive rebuilding efforts from the tornado that occurred on May 22, 2011. This pod series contains sensitive subject matter regarding the aftermath of the Joplin tornado. Listener discretion is advised. And now, on to the interview. Remembering Joplin, a personal perspective. Today, I'm in Joplin, Missouri, with some very special guests. I have my sister-in-law, Phyllis, her son, Brock, and our friend, Jay and i am in joplin on location and the reason i'm doing this is because they have experienced this joplin tornado firsthand and i wanted to get their stories and let you guys you know elaborate on stuff that uh, people may not have known or whether whatever so phyllis Jay, Brock, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Phil, let's let's start with you. Let, let's give a little background here. Um, you and Jay and Brock were at your mother's house. We were. were. Yeah, you were cleaning out uh, her uh, basement. Is that what, what was going on? And what happened? What's What happened at that? Tell me what happened at that point. Something happened. And stuff started breaking loose, and what were you doing, and what happened? We
1: were in the basement. Mother had passed away uh, at the age of 92, three weeks earlier. So we were preparing her house to uh, pass things on to others in the family, and the three of us were in the basement, and we noticed a storm coming. There were windows. You, You knew at
0: that point.
2: Well, you did we know. Did, not you know did not know until
1: we looked out, and then we had the radio on. And I believe, Brock, you heard on the radio.
2: The radio said 28th and Black Cat is an empty field for a mile, which is one block from
0: my but house. But is that the first time you knew something was going on? Yes. I think, Jay, yes. you were saying, were not you in
3: the basement? We was in the basement, yeah. and Brock and I was carrying uh, pieces of... Uh, stuff that he wanted to keep and putting in his car, and I looked to the west, and the sky was a greenish-blue, and I told him, I said, last time I seen a sky like that, a tornado hit Joplin in 1970 or 71. So your radar was really going off. Yeah, I saw that, and then all of a sudden, the wind started kicking up, so we all went back to the basement and, and was listening to the radio, and... It never did. The power never did go off there. But we was down there probably forty-five minutes or so.
0: Well, now, and we got to tell the listeners too. Now you were on the north side of North Side,
3: the very north side. Yes.
0: Yeah. And and what did you do, Brock? I mean, were you freaked out? You
2: very much, especially like I said after the the radio. Uh, announcer had come on and, and announced essentially that my neighborhood was an empty field. Uh, wow, was see, Very much panicked and couldn't really get out to see any other information. They were trying to keep me inside as much as I could because at that point I was just ready to go home and try and dig through what oh, was I bet. left.
0: Now your neighborhood is was closer to the the impact that's, of everything. That's right? where it started. Yes. Uh, my, oh yeah. My it,
2: neighborhood was the first touchdown, basically. And then while
3: we was listening to the radio, uh-huh. the uh, the announcers, one of them got in her car and went down Range Line, you know, which is the main thoroughfare, that's the main road, yeah, and said, "You won't believe it. There's nothing left on Twentieth or Fifteenth Street or anything of anything on Range Line that you can recognize." See, that's that would freak me out
1: very much. So, and you know, it started. Brock's house was on the west side of town, and it started from the west and moved to the east. And, of course, Mercy Hospital was right in the path of that, being only three or four blocks from Freeman, our other hospital. The one hospital, fortunately, was left intact, and then Mercy was not. Yeah, now we and know Mercy got a really so close d- direct hit, other. basically. Right. And um, Brock took out immediately to go see about his dogs. Mm. And uh, before we left my mother's home, I called Kansas City to my daughter to tell her we were okay because I worried we would lose cell tower, which we later did. But yeah, they knew imagine, more yeah. than we knew. Uh-huh. You know, because it was on the national news and so we learned a lot of what we knew From people in other towns calling
3: us on our cell phones. Plus, Mike Seidel from the Weather Channel was following that tornado, and he was broadcasting from 26 Maiden Lane right across the street from St. John's Hospital. So he was here? He was here. During the tornado? Right after it hit, within minutes. Wow. And he, he broke down on air, saying, you can't believe the devastation.
0: Well I know we've seen pictures of of everything and it, it I mean it was quite quite incredible. I mean now like we said before you guys were on the north end of town right. but you wanted to
3: Brock get lives home. on the west southwest side. So we tried Fellows and I left Brock mm-hmm. left before us. We got there and Brock's house was luckily they had no damage so, somehow, yeah. yeah yeah you were telling me you know right. what i mean everything around you was... it blew what your front porch rail off the, well I, the
2: radio announcer said it was an empty field i got back there it was far from an empty field thank goodness <laughs> good um people on either side and behind me had to re- put new roofs on their house somehow my house was spared i was extremely lucky um don't know how. <laughs> like I told you, yeah. uh, before we started recording, I had a 120-pound dog at the time, and that, as soon as I opened the door, she jumped into my arms like Scooby-Doo did with Shaggy when she when Scooby-Doo got
0: scared in the cartoons. Oh, yeah, just jumped up in, Oh. <laughs> was she there alone? She was. Oh, man.
1: And then uh, we also had dogs on the south end of town, so we were oh, yeah. trying to get... We went by to make sure he was okay, and we were trying to get back across the Main Street, Uh and it took us about an hour to go five blocks. The thing I remember the most of that, you know, we were rerouted because trees were coming down across Main Street, and you couldn't get through, but the thing I remember the most was when we tried to approach Jay's house... It took us about an hour over five blocks, and it was total silence. People were walking in the middle of the street. Like they were in shock, just walking down the street
3: looking. Wow. There was nothing, it was level. And there used to be a, a big apartment building on the 20th and Connecticut on the southeast side. It was leveled, and there was a place called 2000 Center on the southwest side of 20th and Connecticut. I didn't even know where I was at, and I've lived here all my life.
1: And that brings to mind uh, yeah. the fact that we we grew up here. We, we know the town, yeah. but all of a sudden you don't know the town because you can't recognize anything. And speaking of the apartment building, a dear friend of mine um, was in a first-floor apartment, and the second floor caved in, and she was buried under a car. Oh, she man. crawled out, walked about— twelve blocks to the nearest person that she knew and then called. And those of us, like Jay and Brock and I, you know, we were fortunate. We didn't lose our homes. We didn't lose anything. But in that comes survivor syndrome, where you think, How did I get so lucky? That friend and another friend came and lived with me. That was our thing, was we want to take in the people we can. Of course. And sure, so we were, you know, helping people sift through things. It wasn't ours and we were so fortunate, but it was just amazing.
0: Now we, we need what to we tell people that, that your house is south of 44. Correct. So uh, the areas south of 44 in Joplin were not affected by this, but didn't this thing go toward Dunwig? It or? did. Right, it
3: did. It went through Dunwig. it, <coughs> Excuse me, but mm-hmm. I live at 29th and Patterson, which is southeast. It's just a couple blocks this side of 32nd Street, which is the main thoroughfare. But they just built a big railroad overpass that goes over Connecticut Avenue. And it seemed like when that tornado came through, that overpass sits up in the air so high that it deterred the winds more to the north.
0: Oh, Final Effect! Because
3: because where the uh, overpass was at, there was damage to the south. I had small damage, but nothing like what was to the north.
0: I see. I can't even fathom, and I know a lot of people cannot fathom, of one minute you live in this town, and within fifteen or twenty minutes later, it's unrecognizable. I I can't imagine what that does and, and like you were saying you know it's just silence people it's are in just, shock it's at just an
3: eerie feeling and then after first responders and stuff got there they was taking paint and writing on the street the main thoroughfares where the cross streets would cross because you couldn't tell
0: i remember that's what you told us phyllis the first time when you said you don't know where you're at because there's no... The street
1: signs were There's all no down. markers. And, you know, the, the first responders would go in and they would find out if there were uh, Casualty, deceased bodies, sir. casualties in the house. And they would spray paint on the houses so you knew how many people were safe and how many weren't. And yeah. that... That, of course, went on for weeks, and we would see. But one thing, when we were driving back trying to get to our homes in the south, we couldn't cross the main street going down Joplin, which is about five miles long. We couldn't cross that because we were on the west side of it. We needed to get out south, but we couldn't get across east to get southeast to our home. So we had to drive totally out... We went to come back in on44
3: we went to uh, the Far East which is I49 now and uh, it used to be like a bypass and we hit i44 and there was tractor and trailers laying on their sides on all on i-44 and I was weaving my way around them to I got to the exit to to get to the main street and then I was clear everything was fine after that but it so go
0: south pretty much south or
1: we had to go toward Carthage to get back around right. to our
3: Right, like homes, I say, I went east I forty nine through through uh, Duquesne and stuff like that.
1: Okay, And, and right. then
3: I got there, and then I went south, and then got on I forty four, and then it there was uh, a lot of damage out there at I forty four, and uh, what what's the name of that?
1: Well, there were a lot fly, of eighteen-wheelers. Fly Flying J truck
3: stop. There was a lot of okay, yeah, on their kind of side eighteen-wheelers right. on their side, and yeah. I
1: think that's when we realized.
3: Yeah. Wow, this w- is massive. Yeah. I've never
1: driven down I-44 and seen, seen
3: tractor uh, and trailers laying you know, on their sides, yeah, you 12. got to weave in between them to get through. Mm-hmm. And the road was actually closed, but I went ahead and went through it. So, 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 so,
0: tell me what. Okay, did you all experience the typical? What everybody knows is, you hear the freight train, you hear the, you see the lightning. You do
1: what? What did you experience? We were in the basement, you were in the, which is smart. The, yes. Well, we weren't there because of the storm. We were there because we were going through uh, yeah, the things right place, that we right. were packing, and just the small windows up high, and we could see the sky getting dark, and they saw it because they had been loading You'd things been outside. outside. Yeah. Outside, and that's when we came in. And switched on the radio, being used to, you know, to tornado season, we switched on the radio. But until that announcer was saying, it just looks like everything's gone, you know, like a bomb had been dropped, basically. Because I know it happened
0: so
3: fast. Oh, yeah. Uh.
2: There were windows in in the ceiling of the basement, like storm windows you could see out, Mm. just maybe a foot tall and 18 inches wide all the way around, kind of. I could remember seeing outside of that a small tree, trunk maybe a couple inches around at the most, literally bent over. Uh, and that was all I could see from outside that window. And, and, you know, it wasn't just that it had blown over to the side. It was almost snapped in half.
0: Yeah, so that was the only visual and, 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 that and you I had. were way north. Way north of
3: Well, was of it wasn't way. Yeah, probably about 24 blocks, two miles. Okay. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Joplin's a small town. And it relatively you, is. And yeah. when you when you live here all your life, you know how to get around. Uh-huh. And when it takes you to go basically five miles total, almost three hours. So, so and, Three hours to get back.
1: from what we've just been talking about from right. the time wow. they saw it outside. You know, you were talking about the size of Joplin. I think one of the most important things to share with people is that many times when there are these uh, catastrophic situations, the towns do not rebound. Joplin was cited as an exemplary town for rebounding, and we actually ended up with about a thousand people more at the next census. And there were two reasons that credited with that. One was our hospital, which was damaged, which is Mercy Hospital, um, two years before St. John's had been had gone back to Mercy. Mercy was the the controller of that. They kept all 2,200 employees on the payroll, even though only certain ones were called in, they rotated. So we had 2,200 people who were still getting paychecks. And the other hospital was fully functioning because it wasn't damaged and did all of the miraculous things. And then uh, the second thing was the school district Uh, This happened near the end of the spring semester in May. Right, right. And so our high school was totally gone, a couple of our elementaries. And so they had to figure out, where do you put all these high school students? And so the... um, administrators were able to find two locations at the mall. We had 9th and 10th graders. I'm sorry, we had 11th and 12th graders in an empty venture store at the mall because there was parking for the cars of the older kids. The 9th and 10th graders were moved to an empty school building downtown, and so that's how they functioned. But when school started, we had 95 percent of the student population that we had that spring. That's amazing because there were many, there was a lack of apartments and rental houses, and so many people had to go to neighboring towns. Joplin School District provided bus transportation for every student that we had in our school in May we bused out and brought those kids back in. So they were back in school in August with their classmates. And so those are two things that were cited for why Joplin wow. was able to recover by many other towns that have come in to learn from what happened.
0: See, that's very important and very much a team effort of, of helping and helping. And I know, you know, just from watching the news, people from all around the country came. To to help as as they do to other you know other cities with right. major disasters, but that was one of the really cool things I thought for helping rebuild. And you've got an interesting uh, story about uh, a butterfly.
1: Oh, the butterfly yeah. was the symbol of hope mm-hmm. for Joplin. And people would come from another town, and I wish I could remember from somewhere far away who'd had a, a tornado. And uh-huh. so they came, and they would put butterflies just on stakes all around on different corners. So it became our symbol. Just all around the city and stuff? Yes.
0: And you were like, what are these? Or right. Well,
1: <laughs> well, we learned what they were, and kids yeah. would paint them. And But this was another town that had been through what we had been through. So okay. they came to do that. You'll still see a few of those butterflies around, but then I believe it was the Chamber of Commerce came up with the idea that they would sell larger butterflies, probably two to three foot wingspan, and various businesses would buy those and decorate them. Some businesses have one, some have two or three. So you see these butterflies that stand about... Oh, three and a half, four feet off the ground. They're metal, and they're beautiful, and they're all different. And so that's a symbol of, you know, hope. And um, there was another um, story about the butterflies. I recently wrote an article about the um, library that was our new library that was uh, opened, uh, I wish I could remember how many years ago, probably four. But uh, it has a very unusual roofline, and I always wondered what that roofline was. <laughs> and it, so I went to tour it and write an article for our class newsletter, and it is in the shape of a butterfly. So when I was in, the librarian was showing me around, and I asked her about the— uh, ceiling. There were three areas of ceilings that were just gorgeous, and I couldn't figure out what they were. Very geometric. And she said, well, those are what a butterfly wing looks like if you look at it under a microscope. Oh, so how cool. So our beautiful new library all plays into much of, of uh the tornado history and it, it's there now, right? It is.
0: So if people visit Joplin. You can go into it's, the yes. Their, it's is it just the one public library or the we mainland? only have one now? Okay, I mean
1: that's all we ever had, but it okay. used to be downtown, uh-huh. and they built this new one on twentieth um, in Connecticut. And, wow. uh it's definitely something to go visit. That
0: that is really really nice. I know now your sister Karen, my wife, uh, back in a, after this happened. She had reservations about coming back to see Bet. Joplin. I mean, we live in Branson. We're based in Branson. Um, and I told her, you know, anytime you want to go, I will drive you to Joplin and look. And it was several months, I think. Was it six or seven? Maybe? I mean, it, it was under a year. It was It was in the fall, wasn't it, when I, you I guys think it came was, back? Yeah, I think it was Yeah, about six months later or whatever. Yeah. And, and I told her... I said, you know, I, are you ready for this? because uh, we, you know, once you come into Joplin, you don't really see it until you get into the actual destruction zone. And, and, uh, I said, if, you know, if you're not ready for this, we'll turn around. I don't, you know, you got to be ready for it. And she goes, I want to see it. And so we started going into the areas where, I mean, I was even shocked. I mean, I'm a weather guy and, and I was even shocked at the, the trees were just stripped of their bark, stripped of their, of their bark. And yeah, and then, and leaning over, and this was six months later and, and I know my parents, who live in Springfield, they had that major ice storm. And their trees took years to really get <laughs> back going. And I've got incredible pictures of that. And and, and some trees, you can still have big branches mix, missing off of that thing. So, you know, and, and of course, the poor thing, she was just... You know, she wanted to see it. You know, and she was crying, and she's wanted to talk to Phyllis and stuff. And but she wanted to know how her hometown was because she right. she, grew, she grew up here. Yeah. So, it, but even me, it was just devastating. And by six months, they had pretty much had most of the area. You know, the dry the roads. You could get clear. through the
3: streets and didn't have yeah. to worry about all the stuff piled out um, on the streets.
0: Right, right, right. Now, Rangeline did did venture. Did Venture – you had a Venture store here, right, on Range But night? it
3: became a high school after Tornado. It, it, right. it had already closed.
0: Oh, okay. So that's so why – It was an empty building.
3: It was an empty building. That's why the the school district leased it for 11, uh, juniors and seniors. Uh-huh. And freshmen and sophomores were down at uh, – Oh, uh, yeah. The, what was it? Eighth and Wall? It was they were at down the there. old memorial. Yeah, Eighth and Wall, um, yeah. Wow! You know,
1: I think one of the things that that was most vivid to me. I, I think I told you I wrote a series of quarterly articles for my yeah. class newsletter, and so I would cover different things that were happening. And in the beginning, we would go down the street. And there were no streetlights; it would be totally dark. You know, when we go places, I can't places. imagine.
0: I just that's just because would be bizarre, right?
1: It was just it was unbelievable. And then so we would see all of these tandem trucks i had never seen trucks like this before huge tandem trucks with great big claw arms where they would go and pick up and carry the debris out we would just see that time and time again and then one day i can remember i was so elated that i saw a truck go by that had lumber on it like someone was Hmm. building a house Mm -hmm. and it was such a positive feeling and then You'd pass trucks with bricks on them. And then, as we would go over the 20th Street viaduct, the lights came on one night. And I can remember that so vividly going down 20th that there were lights up above.
0: Lights again. Street lights. Yes. Street lights. how, How far, how much time after? that what i mean i don't remember
1: lasts. but it was it was I, it, several it was, weeks Well, it
3: was months months
1: because there because was so they much had to power
3: replace them. every light pole everything else yeah, yeah. and then get electricity to them. so i would I, Man. I i'd say 6 7 months i you know i really don't know but mm-hmm. it was so a very quite a while there yes yes
1: i in december first i'm looking at one of the articles i had written one of my newsletters december first i Talk about—we see one of three things as we drive about. We see one rebuilding of homes, two barren lots waiting to have homes built, or for sale signs because people were not going to rebuild. They were—they were either they one of the 161 right? people deceased in that tornado, yeah. or they um, had chosen not to to build at that time we also um began to see the street lights here i talk about a main street and east 20 streets we now have lights that have been replaced and operating that was in december Hmm. and this was in so i was pretty close in six months december so so now i'm seeing those things but i forget the time sequence because like i said we didn't lose things you know and you throw yourself you throw yourself into thinking how fortunate am i what can i do to help other people
0: exactly and
1: so i i know we filled up with gas we got bottled water we didn't know we went to atms because without power you know the atms the, don't work right right and so depending on where you were so we drove to the edge of town and were able to do that and the next day i remember thinking oh my goodness there were just churches and volunteers, and there were people putting, you know, flats of water, bottles of water on the street corners. And there were dozens of tents set up downtown on Main Street where we couldn't get across, where we're talking about the trees were down, where they were cooking, where people could come and have a hot a meal. Yes, people who were
3: just so misplaced. And they were, yeah. uh, I don't thousands, thousands of cases of bottled water just sitting around, and they would go through neighborhoods on on four-wheelers and stuff and be passing out to volunteers and stuff, water or anything else they could have.
0: Because I know the Red Cross was a major factor. Major factor. Definitely. We've talked uh, before on the podcast, my my uh, friends Gary and Cheryl. Cheryl used to be uh, the regional manager for Red Cross, and she, she has told me stories about just getting help down into Joplin and going uh, – Set, setting up the tents and setting up all sorts of respite type types of things um don't I wanted to ask you you had an interesting story about your house and I think about a a rail or something on your house um, well that was. Really,
2: the only thing that was was damaged was uh, the the railing around the house on the front porch. Took me about an hour to find my patio furniture on when, when I started looking for oh, it. Oh, I bet. But, yeah, uh, but really, the that day. I mean, we we discussed taking an hour or more to get back to the house on what was normally an eight or ten minute drive. But yeah, I bet. from that night being kind of in the footprint of it. One thing that I really remember was my fiancée was diabetic, and it was several hours after the storm had settled and moved on. But it was getting to a point where we had no power, and her blood sugar was dropping, so we had to go find something to eat. Mm -hmm. And so we got in the car and left. I think we had not quite half a tank of gas, but pretty close. Yeah. Three hours later, we finally, finally got to a point where I had to park the car because we were out of gas.
0: Oh, man. And I was
2: still four blocks from the closest food place. <laughs> so we started walking down the road on Maiden Lane with her in that advancing state and trying to to figure out what was going on, how to get her something to eat as yeah. quick as possible. And luckily, some friends to, from our work were driving by and picked us up, took her on the way to find something to eat while I went back to... We're trying to walk back to get enough gas so I can go pick her back up uh, right
0: <laughs> yeah. oh yeah um, uh, but it's just it's things like that that, that people don't realize and yeah. that's why we say especially in winter storms or uh, uh, ice storms and that kind of thing you know there's several things that you need to remember to get in power but medications a lot of people don't right. think about and you got to get that and I know she was diabetic but and this is an extraordinary situation, which is a totally different than that. But, but we always list on our site a whole list of things you get that probably people didn't think think about. I mean, uh, hard-soled shoes. You know, if there's debris, you don't want to be walking in flip-flops. You, you need hard-soled work boot type shoes or stuff, stuff like that. But that's, that's interesting. Now, uh, something else that um, just for a little weather geek talk here that they have, <laughs> I'll throw some of that in, um, which they have realized with the, the more tornadoes when they, you know, the major tornadoes that went down to more Oklahoma, they, with technology now they're able to kind of look inside tornadoes a little bit more. And this would answer the question, uh, why, why, you know, some houses right next door to you are destroyed, but yours is okay. And they have discovered that in very, very large tornadoes, you don't see it because there's a circulation, but there's small mini vortices within, within that circulation. So you think, you think you just see one big tornado, but what's ha- really happening is there may be two, three, or four little ones inside. And when that thing moves over... The, you know, the main wind from from the circulation will destroy a lot of things. But if it if you move over, if it moves over just right and there's multiple vortices in that thing, then the, the house next door to you, May be just demolished, but your house may be fine because it wasn't in that little miniature vortice. And that's a very interesting thing that they have discovered. Now, now this use, this phenomenon usually happens with very large tornadoes. EF4s,
3: uh, F5s.
0: Yeah, EF4, EF5s, that kind of thing. But the more tornado, this one, I mean, um, I don't think, I know they've done analysis on the tornado that moved through Joplin, but I don't know if, how, Far this is twenty eleven, so nine years ago. I mean, in every year they just get better and better and better with technology. So, so there's a little, there's your little storm door weather geek talk for for that. Yes. Now, Phil, you you also uh, have some interesting information about the hospital. Um,
1: I do. Yeah. Um, as I said, Mercy Hospital was uh, destroyed. Um, they. It was amazing how they were able to get people different places. Many times people had to be transported to other towns. And so people might not know for a day or two where their loved one was. They maybe were taken to neighboring towns in Arkansas or Missouri, Kansas. But um, Mercy, uh, of course, started a triage center downtown at the Memorial Hall. And then Freeman, of course, was accepting patients. And those were very, very busy places. And then Mercy built a temporary 150 bed hospital we started out with like mash tents at the time and that turned into uh modular units and um it's kind of interesting because that's now our new medical school, which is in its second year. Oh, how cool. Uh, KU. University KU. K, uh, Biosciences, mm. University of Missouri, Kansas oh, City Biosciences. okay. So we have a lot of uh, DOs that are in their second year now, and it will eventually be four years. But they took over that temporary modular 150-bed hospital, redesigned it, and that's the medical school. Oh, how So new. we have many things now. Because of the tornado, there was much grant money and much local philanthropy to make Joplin survive. Mm -hmm. But, um, the new mercy hospital, I was just looking through my notes to make sure I don't misquote myself, but it was, um, that was an interesting day. Uh, it was in, The spring of 2015, they had 79 patients that were in the hospital who would be transported to the new hospital the day it opened. They released as many patients as they could, but um, in our new hospital, uh, it's probably, I don't know, 225, 250 beds. And so they started taking the patients in the early morning at 630, and the staff who had survived. Weathered the storm and taking care of people, they walked from the original Mercy Hospital, which was on uh, 26th, 20, 26th and McClellan, mm-hmm. out to fiftieth Street, where the new hospital is. They walked That's down Main blocks. Street, walked down Main Street, and uh, following the ambulances that were transporting people, and uh, there was a lady in labor. Uh, who was transported with her doctor with her, and her <laughs> twins were the first children born an hour after they got into the new hospital. Oh, how about that? So that was really quite a story because the families were told to drive to the hospital and wait. They were waiting in an auditorium, and then the patients were all settled, and then the families were escorted to the patient's room. So that w- I can remember... Going and watching that come down Main Street, I was so impressed to see what Mercy invested in this community. Oh, that was and
0: really amazing. We're
1: talking really amazing. a lot of money, and I'll tell you the exact amount in a minute because <laughs> I want to make sure I tell you that right. And then, of course, the new high school was built. The high school was built um, at a cost of um, $92 million. Wow. It's huge. Absolutely huge, built on the same area the other one was. Okay, uh, but it is much larger. I've heard and about so that. So all they, four, all four yeah. classes are in that now after being okay. separated.
0: But I'm sure they've got tornado.
1: Everything. Everything now yes. is
0: tornado proof. proof. Proofing. And yeah.
1: In the hospital, it's all um, 250 mile an hour glass that would withstand a tornado and all.
0: Good. Good.
1: So they've been model. Um, architectural things for the country.
0: So I can't. I can't imagine. I remember when I was here last year. You took me into the new hospital. Yes. It's amazing to see what they have done, and I think I was. We were looking at the floor, and there were shiny things in the floor, right. and you explained explained that to people okay. what happened. That's when, cool.
1: When the original hospital on Twenty Sixth Street was destroyed. Um, there were certain things that weren't destroyed and one was the large in the, the uh the chapel there was a large wall and it had just a few nicks out of it. That is in peace. It's the stations of the cross, the twelve stations of the cross. That is in the new chapel. But if you look on the floors in the new hospital, you'll see darker grey areas and they have flecks of metal in them. Yeah, yeah, that's what and I was noticing. Throughout the hospital and they are flakes of metal from the original chapel See, and from the original what's hospital. That's
0: so interesting. It's absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. It is. I, I, I mean, and, and there's other things they've incorporated in that in, into the new the new hospital, right? And it's, I mean, what they've done is just fascinating, and I, I was. I've been utterly impressed with everything you've been showing me with the butterflies to the hospital to the, the, you know, the schools and stuff. This, the rebuilding. Yeah, we, this month will be the the ninth year. Yes. Ninth year. Um, Wow. I should go and tour the town again. I'd
1: be glad to take you. One of the things I don't think I have shown you is um, Cunningham Park. And that was considered ground zero. That was between Brock's house as it started east Uh from Brock's house up the west, and then right near the Mercy Hospital and uh, Cunningham Park uh, was dedicated to the memory of those who were lost. And we met there more than once. They had well the day after the the tornado. We
3: met there at five o'clock that afternoon, and they had the ceremony. The governor and people were here, you know, and. They was still debris. I mean, you you had to walk through it to even try to get there.
1: There were vehicles across the street wrapped around a tree.
3: Yeah, there was a two-ton truck that was parked at the back of Mercy Hospital. That was their truck. Oh, okay. And the wind had taken it and moved it probably 300 yards, and it hit a giant oak tree and just wrapped. It's around. You could take the front bumper and almost touch the back bumper. It just wrapped it around it. Wow.
1: I can wow. remember the bagpipes playing. They had a group right. of people playing bagpipes, and everybody bagpipes. stood there and listened. They were over by the uh, where the hospital had been, and um, it was just a, a dedication. Uh, what they did with Cunningham Park was there is a, a pond that is there, and that I believe was dedicated to the children lost in the tornado in memory of the children and a group of architectural students from Drury University in Springfield uh came down and designed this memorial park and there are uh house structures I I would drive by and think what Brock, do you remember seeing those when they first put them up there they they just look like they had framed house Uh, silhouettes and they were black and I thought well what are they going to build there and what they are is they represent the homes that were there that were destroyed and they're just an outline and so this whole park is to be and there's a butterfly garden there the butterflies Mm -hmm. again where they planted uh, the types of shrubbery that would draw butterflies and as you go past the stations you can walk around this there's a path and there are Explanations of different things in the park, and um, one of the most interesting things, other than realizing what those houses were, and that it was to be a time for resilience and reflection. Mm-hmm. And the the interesting thing is, there are items that are not encased but embedded in a concrete like podium quite large things Mm -hmm. that just flew in the air that they found there like maybe a spoon from someone's kitchen maybe a doorknob maybe a key and you stand there and you realize how massive this was that reminds me of Jay's backyard when he went home and he's What, two or three miles from the hospital, you had x-rays in your backyard? I mean, I had x-rays. I found a
3: couple checkbooks from people that lived out by where Brock does, way on the west side of town. Wow, and you're on the southeast
2: side, right?
3: Yeah, that, you know, debris had just fallen out. And and there was, like I said, there was some x-rays, I guess, from the hospital. And there was uh, some checkbooks I found. I found all kinds Mm -hmm. of mail and literature and stuff. Oh, my I'm backyard. sure things are just picked up, yeah.
0: thrown everywhere.
3: Right. But, you know, it's uh, it's weird to walk out your back door and see that stuff land in the backyard.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the Pierce City tornado, which was, oh, I can't remember, 2000-something. But before this one, definitely. Three or four,
3: I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, Well, yeah. Two, and three or And it just four. almost wiped it off the map.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people in Springfield, which is several... Miles away, uh, received like receipts and stuff from from there. So I mean, the power of a tornado to really suck that stuff up in the atmosphere and just deposit it miles and miles and miles away is, I mean, well, I guess they was
3: finding photos. You know, they had a program around here think, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Lost photos, you know. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. was find them in Springfield and I'm in Springfield e- everywhere up through there. There was, you know, and I don't know uh, how many, but they've they've recovered a lot of them.
0: That's that's and that's a good program too to have that because I think there was something on the news where they would or on Facebook or something where they were what was it? Just they were putting things up for people to recognize or something like that. Or, yeah. That, that's such, a, that's such a, a wonderful thing. I just really like how people came together. You know, I mean, this storm, I mean, looking back on it meteorologically, um, it wasn't really predicted. I mean, that it was one of those, if you look at the radar image all around the country, or around the midsection of the country, that one little storm found the pocket and just exploded. And there's nothing else around it. I mean, there's no other storms to you go know, Tulsa, Southeast, East Kansas, South. There was nothing else there. That one little storm found the energy in the pocket to just explode. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard. I mean,
3: it caught, it, it caught it, all the weathermen around here off guard. Yeah,
0: it just, I mean, cause it, it just popped and, uh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, because normally when you get severe thunderstorms and tornadoes, you have some advance notice. The atmosphere is going to be set up that way. You've got low pressure system. It's going. You got a cold front, a dry line, all this kind of stuff. You can kind of know what's happening. And I knew that the atmosphere was very volatile. I mean, May the third week of May is peak tornado season across the country. It's just that's that's it. And uh, I don't even remember if there was a tornado watch out. I, I you know I have to go back and check. I'm I'm not really sure. Um, Watch, I don't
3: know, warnings came about five minutes before it hit. Yeah,
0: yeah, because that thing just exploded. Right. What you looking at, Phyllis? You look-
3: oh,
1: I'm just looking through all the articles <laughs> I've written. I was yeah. trying to find Yeah, Ph- Phyllis pause. was telling
0: me yeah. she she's written several articles for uh, – where do, where is that the class of sixty four
1: newsletter? Oh, the
0: Joplin High School class of sixty four newsletter, and you've done several articles on that. It's called
1: I, from the inside looking out. From the I wrote inside the looking articles out. for our classmates. We had a class of five hundred. Yeah, and our classmates who didn't live here, and so many would call, and people would call from everywhere, and saying, "Are you okay?" And yeah, there was so much, you know, concern. Uh, so I started writing the series called on the inside looking out. So yeah, I wrote and, and those I've, over I've about that. a six it's year very period.
0: Fascinating. It took you six years, about well, six we years. Well we did right?
1: a quarterly newsletter. Oh, so right, I, right. so about twenty four articles I wrote for that. Um, I was thinking about all the volunteers, uh, some of the many things that besides the faith based and all of the um, government agencies, FEMA and so forth that came in Two things that stood out in my mind. One was I will never forget the portable showers that were brought in, and ah. the Tide uh, detergent company, they are prepared and they come in with these flat beds that have you took your laundry. People who they had you know, washers and dryers, they didn't oh, have washers and cool. dryers, right? Right, and they would set them up on Walmart parking lot. And do you remember those, Brock? Mm-hmm. And I mean, people were so grateful for those things. I mean, we knew the food and the yes, water yes. and so forth. But it was something I, that always stood out in my mind, remembering that. And all of the other people, you know, the faith-based people and then the volunteers that came in. And some of the local churches were just unbelievable in the things they were able to do. And, uh, of course, there was a lot of grant money after this was over. And I can remember Mm -hmm. realtors telling me, Joplin will be stronger because there will be much grant money coming in. And, um, for an example, we were talking about the beautiful new library. Yeah. I I believe that when I was looking through my notes, I think that I came across it was like $20 million that was – you know an economic grant and then the joplin match put in five i'm sorry Mm. 20 million and we put in five million so Mm. the money many times it has limits to what it can be used for and Mm. there were time limits so oh um, right yeah and like we lost all the trees you were talking about the trees that we didn't have and and um i was looking at uh it reminded me of all the people that put in um, trees. People would come and just plant trees, so that over the years they would grow up. And now we're beginning to see some of those. That would they re-
0: replace the trees mm-hmm. that
1: that were destroyed well, or, maybe or damaged, not, or maybe not exactly where they were. But if okay. we had large swaths of land, I'm thinking like over on 15th between 15th and. And uh, 13th, you know, you'd see many trees being
3: planted down on Murphy Boulevard, too. Mm-hmm. They planted just like an acre, of nothing but trees, just oh, to give them where cool. they could grow.
0: Yeah, 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 because there was a lot of area that I mean, do, do we remember where it actually? Touchdown at first was it? Was it? It was right you right near your his house. <laughs> it was. Uh, that's where it made the, the first touchdown.
2: touchdown was where a pretty at least fairly close to where the Saint Mary's Church uh, campus is now. Uh, that's the church that was thirty more second, centrally central. located in town. Mm-hmm. And was destroyed in the tornado, but when they rebuilt, it was pretty close to where the first touchdown was roughly thirty second okay.
3: and Central City Road. Yeah. Okay. And Broccoli lives about four blocks from
0: there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So you it was. Yeah. You were the first. It, 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 it started there and went gone. six
3: and a half miles.
2: Speaking of the yeah. inside looking out, one thing that doesn't always get thought of also is that you know. I had a landline at the time. My landline was still working, even though cell phones eventually died. People would call in from time to time and would say, did you see this? Have you seen that? And no. Honestly, people in Kansas City and other places in the country, friends and family from other places were calling in asking if I'd seen this. And no, I hadn't. Yeah. They were more informed on what was going on Definitely. and could have recognized more than what I could.
0: Definitely. I, okay, that, now that mm. that's interesting. That makes sense. Because if you have no electricity, you, you don't have a television. You, I mean, yeah. you guys would not know yes. what's going right,
2: on. Right, and we didn't. And that kind of brings into – this is a little bit more of a lighthearted story, but okay. not to
0: make light of the
2: situation by any means, but a little bit of levity is sometimes good. Yes. So, uh my house is just across the street and down a couple of blocks from the golf course. It was probably a couple of days after the actual storm that I I decided to go over there and see if anybody was there. And sure enough, there was four or five guys there that somebody had brought some sandwiches and a cooler and of pop and stuff. So we just kind of sat there and hung out. We decided to, to try and put a cookout on for the the neighborhood there
1: really i didn't know that so
2: we we did that (laughs) but uh one of the funny the funny part of it is we were talking about like other people from the area from outside the area reaching out trying to find us and everything And one guy, I remember, said, yeah, I finally got online, and I could see that people were sending me messages on Facebook and things. And I replied to a few, but then I came across a message from one guy that I didn't really like too much, so I just decided to let him not hear from me.
1: Oh, (laughs) man. (laughs) Wow. So.
2: <laughs> it let him sweat it out a little bit and then he said that eventually he did get back to that guy. But it was just good. The, the good. presentation and everything was just a little bit funny. But yeah.
1: We did have lots of calls. And of course mother had passed away three weeks before. But right. when I reached two hundred calls, I could no longer take any more calls because classmates, people you know, that we knew when we were young, growing up, who'd moved away. And yes. it was amazing to me the number of people that would call and ask, and you finally got to a point where you just let your message machine take it. Yeah. Um, there was something I was trying to remember I wanted to tell you. We were talking about um, the different... Uh, well, go ahead, Brock, if you're... Ta- oh, I oh, know, man. this is what I said. I was talking about... Um, <clears throat> What a glow of hope came when the first street lights on East 20th shone brightly one silent evening. This was written in December. That remains such a vivid memory for me and I wondered what it must be like for those across the world who have never known electricity. I can remember thinking that. Oh, what is it like? Wow. You know because we were without it in many parts of the city for such a long time. Right.
0: And it's dark and what do they do? What mm-hmm. are they doing? I mean, this is how right. And we thing. were fortunate.
1: You know, we didn't yes. lose anything, but we certainly had friends who did. I had friends who lost both homes and businesses. And, um, you know, I, I can't imagine our yes. dear friend, Kay, that was, you know, in the apartment and they had to get her out, lost everything, every single thing. And... um so she's, well, she's doing, doing great. good now. She's doing great now, but because good. friends came together, and mm-hmm. you know, it was a while before we could find a rental house vacant, and then yeah. everything is has gone well. But it was just, you know, of the 161 people, I only knew five people personally that were deceased, which surprised me, having lived here all of my life.
0: Right, but, right. Uh,
1: just such. Tragedy. Well, you know,
0: a tornado doesn't matter. Doesn't care if it's a home, if it's an apartment, if it's a no. It's a going business. to strike where it wants to. It's going to go where it wants to. I mean, uh, kind of like kind of, kind of like hurricanes. Yeah. You know, When a hurricane comes in, they say you can prepare, but that hurricane, it doesn't matter if it likes you or not. It's coming on board. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I've I've told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I just want to remind you guys and the and the listeners. Um, We were here, Karen and I were here with you the day before.
1: The day before, yes. And
0: that story is very interesting because we were trying to decide, do we want to come down on Saturday or Sunday? And we almost came down Sunday. On
1: Sunday, And
0: I thought, because everybody knows I'm a musician and I work, and I thought, you know, I think I would just like to relax on Sunday. So why don't we just go down on Saturday? And it was just that lighthearted snap decision. I said, let's just go Saturday and then I can relax on Sunday. And if we had just chosen to come down on Sunday, we would have been here right when that tornado hit. Right. And uh, I, just luck of the draw maybe luck of decision. Maybe I, I don't know so because e- either day was open. I mean, we could, I mean, I'd go back to work Monday, but no, it was it was just it w- totally amazing. Um, it's really good to see all the people rebuilding and all the cool stuff that's going on with the with the hospital and mm-hmm. the butterflies. And I mean, did it, did it hurt the golf course at all? No, so no. luckily <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Brock likes to golf. So, <laughs> no. It good. Hmm?
1: You Jay was asking me. We had uh, the TV store. The TV show is it Extreme Makeover where I they think came so. and built Ty houses. Pendleton
3: or Pendleton. Pen- Pennington? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. I they remember came seeing in. that. And he yes. brought his crew in, and was it five we, houses? They built
1: seven houses. Seven houses in
3: seven that. days. Yes. In one block, right side by side, and then give them away to the people that. You know that had lost everything in the tornado. And I lots forgot of volunteers about that. Helped yeah. even
1: to the point of planting flowers. You know, it was just amazing. But they done
3: it in seven days. It's remarkable.
0: I don't know how you can build. Uh, I mean, I've watched that show a long time ago, and it, they just. The ho- I mean, you got everybody and, and, and their brother working on the house, <laughs> you know, but that
3: quick. Well, you could drive by and see the big floodlights they had set up because I was working 24-7. Oh, I bet you were here. You could yeah, you'd actually y- see yeah. all the stuff. You could make go over and see how much progress they made, in like, in 12 or 24 hours. Huh. Did you go, Brock? Did you look at it? Yeah. Um, During the process, no, but
2: afterwards, yes. Afterwards, Um, yeah.
1: They actually had um, buses. I I drove my car and parked three or four blocks away, but they had a vacant where houses had had been demolished. They cordoned that off. So buses would pick you up at the mall or different locations, and you could go on a bus and get off, and then the buses would come and go. So they didn't have all the cars in the area, but hundreds of people. For that show? Well, not or, for the show, oh, but for show. just watching what oh, just was watching going it go. on.
3: It was right, fascinating. And then you could volunteer if you wanted to, to help. There was a lot of volunteers.
0: Oh, yeah, now, yeah. They, they like the volunteers, too, yeah. down there. Right. But it's such an amazing, amazing thing. So, I mean, if so if anybody ever comes to Joplin and wants to check out, uh, you know, the, you go see the hospital, a great hospital, uh, the library, and just go around town. If you see a butterfly, oh, sure. just know that that's a symbol of, what did you say it was a symbol of?
1: Resilience and hope.
0: Resilience and, and hope. That's great. Well, I just want to thank you, Phyllis, you, Jay, and you, brought for coming on the podcast and sharing these stories. I mean, it's been a long time. Since uh, was it the what do we say the eighth year? This is the eighth year. I don't say celebrate, but it's the eighth year since the tornado, and uh, uh, just a joy having you on the podcast. So thank you,
1: thank
2: you, thank you.